And I think I've realized like, if we're not both on the same page, then it's not probably a rule worth having. Yeah, we should both be kind of like equivalently unhappy with the agreement. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 165 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. David. Hey. <laughs> Y'all, we were on headline news. Mm-hmm. I always knew you were going to make it on the news. I just figured it was because you were going to kill me or something. Well, that's... It's still happen. possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that uh, might still happen. <laughs> so I get this email on Monday that, hey, we'd like to have you live on Headline News tomorrow at 10. We're like, okay. <laughs> so we do it. And I was so glad that my spoonerisms didn't kick in. <sighs> if you don't know what a spoonerism is, it's where you mix letters of words. So, for instance, instead of saying, hey, Baylor, I will say Bayhaler. <laughs> or instead of saying well and septic tank, I will say cell and weptic tank. <laughs> and then she wonders why I don't understand what she's talking about. <laughs> well, what's funny is I catch myself. But anyway, usually I do. So we have this interview. And like most things, when we finish the interview, I'm like, man, we should have said this. Or, oh, I hate we didn't say that. And at the end of the interview, she had asked a question, and I responded, and then I stopped. And it's like she was waiting for me to continue, and I was waiting for her to ask a question. So there was this awkward silence, (laughs) and then she just wrapped it up. Yeah. So that has driven me crazy, y'all. And I realized that one of the things we teach in the Nacho Kids Academy is not focusing on the negative. Right. I was letting that negativity or those negative thoughts take away the joy of we were on headline news. Mm-hmm. Well, you're always your own worst critic. And so, you know, we don't have any shortage of that either. <laughs> right. You know, a lot of people don't realize that even when we started this podcast, um, you can't even find the first, whatever, three episodes, I think it was, because we never published them. And it's not that they were bad. It's just we weren't ready. I emotionally was not ready to relive the trauma. Right. And if you go back and look at, or listen to, rather, if you go back and listen to our first several podcasts, I'm sure that they sound different than we do now. We probably stumbled more then and sounded differently and wasn't quite as comfortable with the microphone. It's the same way with video, if not worse, honestly, because then you could see yourself. Oh, it's worse on video because that's when I go, oh, my eyebrows aren't even or, (laughs) oh, that one cheek is shining more than the other. And yeah. Yeah. Well, the other part about the video on Headline News was like we were sitting in our room and we have this screen in front of us, but we don't see anybody. Like we have this person that's talking to us like, okay, you're coming up in four minutes. (laughs) And I'm kind of expecting to see the, the interviewer lady. But that doesn't happen. (laughs) We don't see anything. We just hear her asking questions. And so it was kind of weird in that way. Uh, I guess not knowing what to expect, you're kind of trying to figure it out. But 
And the other thing that kind of threw me off some was the guy was like, make sure you look into the camera the whole time, which I didn't realize it until afterwards, but I was so focused on looking at the camera the whole time that I was like, I looked petrified. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wasn't like moving around or smiling or turning and looking at you when you were talking. I was just like, focus on looking at the camera, focus on looking at the camera. (laughs) Well, even now with us doing this, we're on Zoom Mm -hmm. and I look at the screen. I don't look at the camera. And since there was nothing for us to look at, I know my eyes were kind of darting around. The slightest movement or dust particle in my eyes shift. So, yeah, that was nerve-wracking. And then, too, we always want to make sure that we tell people that there's hope and there's help. And that's what I hope that we got across. Yeah. Well, I like to believe that we said everything that we needed to say and we didn't say things we didn't need to say so that it reached the right people with the right message at the right time. Right, because it was much different than a podcast interview. I couldn't go off on a tangent because I felt like there were time constraints. Yeah, well, we, you and I talked about this afterwards, and I really do think it equates to being in a courtroom and testifying in this day. I know you've testified at family court stuff. Okay, I wasn't that nervous on the live interview, though. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but it's very yeah, similar. Close. And it's similar, not that in the fact that you're nervous, it's similar in the fact that you, you're you asked a question and then you give a very concise answer. And then you wait for the next question. You don't have time to go off on, as you say, a tangent <laughs> mm-hmm. or have your personality necessarily come through because you're like, I'm answering the question. Okay, next. And then I'm answering the question. Okay, next. <laughs> Right. And then the questions that we were given 30 minutes before weren't really the questions she asked. So, <laughs> yeah, that threw us off too. Yeah. And it's not like we don't know the answers to any question you could ever ask about Nacho Kids. But again, it's um, it was a little more nerve wracking that it was live. Mm-hmm. And it being live versus us doing a conference live was still different. Yeah. Because we are in control of that conference. You know, we know how much time we have. Uh, We can interact a little differently with the people and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. You have no idea really how much time you have or anything. I mean, they gave you, they give us kind of a guideline of time, but they didn't even go by that. So you just don't know. Right. And it depends on, I'm sure it depends on where we are, uh, you know, up, up against commercials or how much time somebody else before us took. I mean, you just don't know. It was just a lot of unknowns. And so you <laughs> answered the question to move on. <laughs> right. But anyway, the whole point of this is, number one, we were so blessed and thankful to be on Headline News. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And I had to let go of that negative thinking. Because it was stealing the joy of the fact that we were on there. I know. And here's the thing about negative thoughts, y'all. They will sneak back in. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because the other day one snuck back in and I was like, uh uh-uh. <laughs> nope. Get out of my head, you old negative thinking. I'm going to squash those ants. But one thing I did do was I talked to David's sister because I know that she is brutally honest at times. Yes, nothing like a sister's love. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, y'all did great. Well, I think I don't think they would tell us if we didn't. 
<laughs> Are you saying so, that people would lie to you? Yes. <laughs> they don't want to hurt your feelings. If you notice there was no pause in my response, is a yes, people will lie. So I talked to your sister, and I asked her what she thought. And, of course, she had to pick on you a little bit. But yeah. then she said, y'all were very nervous or appeared very nervous. She said, but if I didn't know you, I don't think I would have picked up on that. And then she also mentioned the weird pause at the end, uh, <laughs> which was our, I was already thinking about. Mm-hmm. So that just helped my aunts grow, I guess, with that. But yeah. then she said, y'all did good. What? Yeah. You know, for the pause at the end, though, I do wonder, because it was her last question, I wonder if she has like an earpiece and somebody was talking to her, and, and so she was distracted. Well, I do think there was a delay. Oh, yeah. But I also felt like after I responded, I had that thought, should I keep going, or is she going to ask a question? So anyway, I don't want to talk about that anymore. It's over and done. It's over and done. So congratulations, David. No, thank you. And congratulations to all of our listeners and followers. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, y'all, because there's some awesome stuff on there. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's talk about our guest today. Aren't aren't you going to get on TikTok? (laughs) David, let's not talk about that because... I have no desire (laughs) to be on TikTok. I want to see you do little dances and stuff. (laughs) No. Speaking of, I will tell you all this. It's funny. And then we'll talk about our guest today. So Jackson's girlfriend, Kennedy, pretty little girl. Well, I can't call her a little girl. Jackson's like, why do you call her a little girl? So Jackson shows me last night a TikTok that Kennedy made. And it shows her in the beginning when I f- met my boyfriend's parents for the first time. And she's looking all sweet and innocent, right? And then she does this part where she's going crazy. And it says, now I show up unannounced after 9 p.m., eat all their food, drink their pop, steal their pizza, take naps like it's my house, sass his mom, get taken care of like the princess I am, unleash my psycho, yell at their dogs, run through their house, scream, tell his mom to rip his head off, get called mommy by him right in front of her, (laughs) take her son on vacay for a month, pick what's for dinner, and just walk in the front door like it's my house. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, that's it. But we want her to feel comfortable. Yep, familiarity breeds contentment. Yeah. Some cases that's bad, some cases it's good. (laughs) That's right. But the difference between her now and then is night and day. Yeah. Yeah. She cracks me up. I love her to death. Anyway, our guest today is, or our guests today are Chelsea and Greg. They're from Canada. David, you're on this interview with me. Mm -hmm. They have been blending for three years. Greg has one child that's 14, and Chelsea has two kids, one that's 13 and one that's 11. She's a teacher. Oh, boy. You know what we say about them? It's harder for them, y'all, because they think, I've got 18 rugrats in my classroom, and they listen to me. They do what they're told. I can control a stepkid. But then they get home, and they don't have that authority. Mm -hmm. Very, very hard on them. Their best advice, 
Leave parenting to the bio parent. Let go of small, petty stuff and be intentional where you put your energy. Mm. Amen. Yep. I like all those. And this reflects back to us talking about headline news. Instead of my energy going to thinking about, oh, that long pause and did we say the right stuff? And my eyes were darting around and David looked like a statue and my cheek was bigger than the other and (laughs) all this stuff. (laughs) I have to stop and put my energy towards being appreciative, being thankful, and working on our next project. Mm -hmm. All right. One thing that Chelsea talks about is her parents helped her out a lot when her and her husband split up. And so the grandparents couldn't be grandparents. They were more of parents. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we forget that the grandparents do help out and they come into those roles. And then when the stepmom comes in, then the grandparent can be pushed to the side and feel pushed to the side. Mm -hmm. Now, David, your mom helped out a lot with your kids. Yep. But I don't think she kicked into parenting mode with them. Nope. Because she was still a grandparent, but went above and beyond in the care for those kids. Oh, yeah. No, she didn't want to be no parent to them. She wanted to do all this crazy stuff, you know, like let them stay up all night and feed them anything they want. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The same thing I'll do to my grandkids. Like, (laughs) yeah, whatever you want, darling. (laughs) That's right. You want 15 chocolate bars? We will get those for you. Yeah. But you have to eat them right before you have to eat them right before you go back to your parents. (laughs) We have to wipe your mouth off so mommy doesn't know. (laughs) Yeah. I remember my granny would give us candy and tell us to go sneak in the bathroom and eat it, which that was very nasty and not hygienic, I would think. But anyway. She would tell us to go in the bathroom and eat it so the other cousins would know, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we all came out with chocolate on our mouth. <laughs> what? They knew. You couldn't eat chocolate without getting all over your mouth? Apparently not. Oh. It was hot in Columbia. <laughs> and we were trying to hurry. <laughs> Since you're to the outhouse, is that what it was? That's what it was. No, thank God. But yeah, why did she send us to the bathroom now that I think about it? Anyway. Something, David, you're going to remember about this is she says she felt like she boosted his parenting. Mm. You remember that? Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you how to parent, David. I'm just boosting your parenting. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to tell you too much because you need to listen to this. That's right. Because there's some funny stuff in there about them shacking up. <laughs> yeah, sort of. <laughs> kind of. Not really. <laughs> All right. I do want to remind everybody before we head into this interview that if you want to learn how to nacho properly, improve your blend, lower your stress, and just have an all-around better life, check out the Nacho Kids Academy at nachokidsacademy.com. All right. Get to listening. Today, we have Chelsea and Greg. Hey, Chelsea and Greg. How are y'all? Good. Yeah. Hi. Really good. All right. How are you? Good. So y'all been blending how long? Um... Right, right around the pandemic, we're going to say that's a time marker for us because we dated maybe for about a year before COVID. True. And we're friends before that. So that had a lot of advantages, but kind of COVID presented um, a really difficult 
situation for two working single parents trying to figure out how to educate our kids and get through that, that phase. So we ended up under one roof, which ended up being my roof. (laughs) And we only planned one week at a time. It was kind of like, well, maybe you should stay here this week just so we can kind of get through the week with our kids. Yeah. And so it ended up being a pretty incredible experience. At the time I was living on an acreage with my parents as well. So kind of like a duplex home situation. So yeah, Greg really got to know his (laughs) (laughs) in-laws. Sorry about that, Greg. (laughs) Yeah. So so I'm picturing, I'm picturing Greg coming over to your house one day and then, and then saying, Oh, Chelsea, I'm sorry. I can't leave. There's a lockdown and I've got to stay here (laughs) forever. (laughs) I wish I was that smooth, <laughs> but it was certainly something like that. I, I think the the in-law comment was funny in that I was offered a room on her side of the house quite quickly. And then shortly afterwards, her, her dad came by and was like, you know, we have a room on our side. That's <laughs> hint, hint. So, You're like, no, I'm good. Me and Chelsea sleeping together quite well. <laughs> David. Yeah, presumptuous David. Yes. No, I see. Why does everybody go to the gutter? I'm talking about sleeping. Well, you don't talk about <laughs> sleeping, even if it's sleeping, sleeping with your parents or mother in law or father in law. You don't? No. Okay. I mean, I would with my. Okay, wait. Next family thing, I'll bring something up. Okay. No, I'm not talking about with your <laughs> with your dad. I will. I'd say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about with yours. <laughs> Exactly. Not the situation I was in. So, nope. <laughs> yeah. So, so they were the in-laws. I don't know. I don't want to say hostile towards you, but they kind of like, I mean, it was kind of all of a sudden, right? <laughs> they were like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they were, they were certainly, I guess I'd say protective. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I think they were, they were in a, a confused state as well. Everybody was kind of, uh, wasn't normal life. So. Yeah, there was the pandemic. My mom had been recently diagnosed with cancer and just the type of relationship I had with them. Like they really took me in when I became a single mom and mm. I'm a mom with two daughters. And so, yeah, they were just like, who is this guy coming from the city uh-huh. to our town and what, what's, what are his intentions? So, <laughs> yeah. So Chelsea, you have two daughters that are 13 and 11. Yes. And Greg has a son that's 14. Yes. Correct. Yeah. So you, y'all were both bio and step parents. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Chelsea, we had kind of a similar situation as what you guys did as far as the in-laws in that my family, particularly my mom, stepped up when I got divorced. And so she was the person who helped me out and you know, did some house cleaning and cooking. She Honestly, she went overboard with it, but she kind of stepped in and took over this role that my ex had kind of left. And so when Lori stepped into the picture, you know, we didn't consider that there was kind of an emotional attachment to all that as well. And so, you know, we kind of came in and said, okay, we don't need you anymore. <laughs> Hasta la pasta, mama. <laughs> yeah. That didn't really work out well. Um, that was a lot of a lot of problems. Did you have anything like that? I don't know, Greg. Are you better to like 
I, I guess I have that with my dad, right? Because he really, my girls were three and five when I became single. And so he just really stepped in and did so much for us. So what was nice, Greg had done this before he moved up is he did some supper dates with my dad and he actually initiated it, which was really touching. Hmm. Go Greg. Yeah, I know. It, it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so they, you know, he kind of had hmm. the opportunity to kind of talk to my dad about just what he thought of me and the girls and um, how much he respected me and respected my dad because I'm so close to my parents. It's kind of like in some ways we were a package deal. Yeah. I think there were certainly times where suddenly I I'm there and available to do a whole bunch of things around the house or whatever. And sometimes I felt like I was stepping on his toes. So (laughs) I was trying to let him have his space and yet still make sure I was being valuable. Mm -hmm. But it really didn't take long. Like I think doing like COVID was a blessing in disguise because doing so much life together, they kind of appreciated like another adult to pitch in around the house and um, yeah, yeah, fix, fix things, work on vehicles, yeah, whatever that kind of stuff. Carry yeah. carry things. They found common ground pretty soon and <laughs> bonded quickly, and so it ended up being a really incredible experience. But we did realize it was temporary yeah, and it really had to change. Cause um, I, I think one of the things is they had to step in kind of like um, other parents. Yeah. So they were kind of robbed of being able to be grandparents. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they kind of treat the kids as much as they would normally those kinds of things that we all <laughs> accept as what grandparents roles are. They didn't really have that. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're kind of known as the, the tough grandparents, even though <laughs> that's changing. Right. <laughs> since we're not there anymore. Yeah. So when you say the tough grandparents, they actually took on more of a parental role, not the grandparents spoiling the kids role. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Because, yeah. I mean, you can't spoil kids 24-7, really. I mean, they're, they're it's just they're going to consume too much sugar and too much screen time and, and all of that. And I'm actually pretty strict. So I think they, I mean, they wanted to spoil the kids more, but I think they also wanted to respect my parenting and reinforce kind of the values and the daily routines that I had with the girls. So Mm -hmm. they were in a tough spot. So, I mean, I love them so much for the way they took us in, but yeah, it's a chapter that had to end. And now we, we still have a great relationship with them, but it's, it's very different. Yeah, absolutely. Go from seeing every, somebody every every day to now, you know, a few weeks <laughs> yeah. typically separates it. So. Yeah. So yeah. How long did y'all live with them? Uh, would you say a year? Over a year, year and a half? So, and within um, that time, we did get married. Okay. So then he could, <laughs> Greg could move upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were some different phases there. It was funny. I guess like we moved in kind of March and then... Uh, So we were on the other side of the house, we meaning my son and I, and uh, he eventually got his own room during that period of time. So say that would have been like September. And then we ended up, we were married in December. So then both my son and I had moved over to the other side of the house. 
And then we moved out in, I want to say August. Yeah. Okay. So when your future father-in-law mentioned to you, hey, we've got a room too, you ended up staying with him? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we moved to his side of the yeah. house. Smart, Greg. Smart. <laughs> it was a short-term sacrifice for a long-term, like really great relationship with them. So, Greg, were you sneaking out at night? <laughs> David, he's not going to tell. <laughs> Don't bait me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, how are the relationships now that you've you've kind of moved out? You don't see them as often. Really good. Yeah, we, I mean, now it's just so special when we do get to see them and um, they live only an hour away, but we'll often go and stay the night sort of thing because it's, they're in a small town. That's my hometown. And so we love being up there. My sister's up there. Kids have cousins and good friends. So we still um, have, yeah, just kind of this special extended family, small town situation that we really like to pop in on now and and again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Greg, yeah, you, I think- you had to integrate into her family. Now, other than your son, did you abandon everybody on your side? What do you mean? So yeah, I guess if you could clarify just a second, <laughs> what do you mean abandoned? Uh, yeah. Well, that's probably a, probably a harsh word. What I'm, what I'm saying is you, you moved into, it sounds like you moved into her town and her family's there and all that. Where's, where's your family during all of this? Sure. So I guess the thing that makes this somewhat easy is uh, even though I grew up, grew up here and they, they moved to uh, New Brunswick on the other side of the country. So on the East coast. And so my parents weren't here and there, that province was quite locked down during that period of time. So uh, I, I think during the whole pandemic kind of phase, we, we had a trip planned to go see them that summer, but had to get canceled and some other things. So we didn't really see them much. And uh, my brother was playing it really safe, even though he lives here in town. So I only saw him maybe once during this phase. So it wasn't like there were many people to abandon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, when I moved up there, it was uh, a lot of a lot of people were being pretty careful about even basic visitation at the time, mm-hmm. especially in the city. Yeah, people in the city got pretty wild for a bit. So uh, yeah, so yeah. Whereas it was, it seemed really normal in a small town. Yeah. So we. It, uh, it was a nice place to do a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> we were on an acreage. The kids had lots of room to roam around. I got all my visiting done at the grocery store because obviously small town, there's one grocery store and that's where you run into everyone. So mm-hmm. yeah, it really did logistically work out well. Um, it wasn't planned. And so thinking about it from the kids perspective, maybe we would have done things different, but I mean, it's a pandemic. Right. So you don't, yeah, <laughs> like pandemic planning, like who's ever done that before? So <laughs> Well, thank yeah. God you were not in a 300-square-foot New York apartment. Yes. All day. Yeah, well, I, I, I was in a not a small apartment, but I was in an apartment in town, and it felt very bizarre. Everything from walking the dog, like you'd see people in the hallway, and it was almost like, you know, you'd slither up against the wall. as you. <laughs> 
it was pretty strange. So it was, it was really, it was really a great treat to move to a place where uh, we could readily get around and the kids could have fun yeah. together. Yeah. But um, yeah, the nacho method, like I definitely needed because, and I, this is a common storyline. It seems with a lot of your callers, but I mean, so here I am, I've been a single mom for probably at this point, like five years. So feeling like I have a good groove, I have good routines at the time I was teaching grade six and Greg's son was in grade six. So I'm thinking like, this is going to be a breeze. Like I got, <laughs> I know these boys, I see them every day at work, you know, and this, this poor dad, like I'm going to help him too. Like I'm going to boost his parenting and it's all going to be good. And I thought, you know, maybe it'll be like an awkward six months and then like, like they're going to be fully integrated into kind of what I'm doing with the girls. So I had that mentality and it did not take long before realizing that doesn't go so well. So we can say, bless your heart. (laughs) I don't know, Lori, did you catch the word that she used? I'm going to boost his parenting. Yes. I I caught (laughs) that. (laughs) I've been rolling around in my head since she said it. I liked it. He's recovering. Yeah, I like that. It's not that your parenting is bad, Greg. I'm just going to help boost it. <laughs> it's just a little base lift, a little, a little tweaking here and there. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I'll start using that. We have a lot of commonalities, but we have a few things that are different. <laughs> so anyways, it's, yeah, we, we learn pretty quickly. Actually, we're not blending kids. We're blending our parenting styles. Mm-hmm. And. Greg was the one who used that term and it was really helpful to me to take the focus off the kids and their behavior and and how they're doing and evaluating them so much. And instead thinking, how are we doing? Like, um, where are we not on the same page and what are we going to do about that? Because I mean, it's wonderful to have kids so close in age, but it really means you have to be very consistent because they will let you know when things aren't fair or when things are different. It just, it really doesn't work if you aren't upholding kind of the same rules and routines for them. Yeah. Which was of course new to me because having at the time an only child, he's, if he wants to do something and I'm okay with it, he picks, he picks a, and we go with it. And then uh, moving into a house where somebody's like, Oh, Hey, let's do this. And then there's two other opinions after I've already committed, I've said, yes, yeah, that sounds good. And then that's held against me very quickly. It devolves into an argument amongst them. So yeah. tuning, mm-hmm. tuning myself up or giving myself a boost, was it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> in that regard was definitely needed. Boost so, your uh, parenting powers. <laughs> <laughs> Do you yeah. like engines? Yes. Yeah. I, I can work with that analogy. <laughs> Yeah. So, but you know, I realized too, I had blind spots in my parenting and because I had been a single parent for so long, it wasn't, those weren't apparent to me. Mm-hmm. And so it took, you know, having another adult kind of seeing daily how I was interacting mm-hmm. with the girls and seeing their behavior and occasionally making a remark here or there where I'm like, Oh, you know, I just, I, I hadn't thought about it that way, or I didn't realize that. And so it was a good process for both of us. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess I needed, I needed a mini a boost. Too? Yes. 
Absolutely. So when couples get together, there tends to be some time frame where the parenting styles are different enough to where they aren't able to necessarily have the same rules. And sometimes that lasts a short period of time, sometimes longer. But it sounds like you two got together and there was there were some differences there. For example, you know, you brought up the the fact that you have one kid, Greg, and that's very different because <laughs> I've I'm the one in the relationship that has four kids and Lori's got one. And so there's big, mm. big differences in parenting there. How were those challenges in the beginning? Because it sounds like right now you guys are are on the same page a lot more than probably you were then. So what did that look like then? Mm. Well, I think a lot of times I would I would easily get kind of trapped in the sense that the, the kids would uh, get into an argument very quickly. And I wasn't, I guess, equipped to deal with that readily. So there were, there were a lot of times when it was like, I was the one that was there, that there was a lot of negotiating going on. And I think that, uh, you know, I put a lot of it on my son in the sense that I used the fact that he was in someone else's house to kind of act like we were guests. And so that worked at times, but it would definitely be a burden that he would uh, kind of blow up with every once in a while after like the full week had gone, he would, he would give me an earful about how he had felt like he was uh, <laughs> mistreated or mm-hmm. things were uneven or whatever. And especially like I'm on a, and was on a um, 50-50 week on week off. And so at the end of the week, I would be driving him back to the city. So we'd have a good 45 minutes to an hour together to debrief over how the week went. So I think even in weeks where we had a lot of struggles, we still had a chance to kind of sit down and talk our way through it before we were separated again. And then over that next week, I could try to enact some changes so we could be prepared for the following week. Mm-hmm. So I would say definitely like it was more chaotic at the time mm-hmm. without necessarily getting oh. into the details of it, yeah. but now quite a bit better. Now we can anticipate a little better what we have ahead of us and not always, but as much as we can. Mm-hmm. I mean, my stepson really is a champ because he had several years of kind of having this bachelor pad life with his dad and, you know, Greg's fun dad. So they had lots of fun and it was a really big adjustment to live with a mom who's a teacher and kind of runs her house a little bit like a classroom with rules and chores and schedules. So like I said, we, we had to blend our parenting and I probably Greg and his son did much more adjusting initially, at least than the girls and I did. And I just had to learn to relax a little bit. Someone gave me a really good tip and said, if something isn't going to matter three years from now, like it's not worth the sweat today kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And so that really helps me. And I still sometimes when I'm about to jump on the kids for something like is this really going to make a significant change in their future? And if not, maybe I can just let it go. Yeah. So a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of self-talk going on these days. Yeah. <laughs> so can you give us an example of a parenting 
situation that you did not agree on. So, for instance, I'm just going to throw this out there. It may or may not have been one. A lot of people have issues with use of electronics. Some people don't care if the kids are on there all day, and some people care if they're on there more than two hours. Did y'all have something like that that you had to figure out how to compromise on? That was probably one of the like main initial ones, because at my place, it was kind of like I would I would pick him up from school, we'd go home, uh, go to like a gym, something like that, get some activity in, and mm-hmm. then go home. And while I prepared dinner, when he was younger, I wasn't involving him in that at all. And so I just kind of left him to his own devices in a literal sense. So he'd watch some screens or play on his iPad or whatever. And uh, then we'd have dinner together and we'd go do homework. And once homework was done, we'd watch either a show or a movie if we had time. Mm -hmm. And my kids didn't know we had Netflix for years. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Yeah. Like no screens on school nights kind of thing. No, no personal devices. One TV is good enough. Thank you very much. And we will watch single family movie kind of Friday nights or Saturday nights and we're good. Right. So that was a huge one. And I really feel like we talked about screens almost every day for like a year. I feel like it was a continuous conversation and we both kind of felt like we had to make compromises and COVID kind of did that a little bit too, because there's just more time to be at home. And so the kids kind of did get into screens a little more. Yeah, especially in winter during the week, when mm-hmm. we're kind of more slow. Yeah, when there's no extracurricular and things like that yeah, going on. Yeah, there's no sports. So. so kind of through COVID, it kind of happened. And then definitely us realizing, okay, maybe me realizing it's not the end of the world if they have whatever. Like, what can I live with? 30 minutes, an hour? Yeah. How's this going to go? Mm. So I would give into it a little bit and then pull back a little bit. And so we currently have a pretty good agreement. And uh, what we've decided is there's two days a week that are screen free. And the kids know this. It's been decided. Um, Obviously, the first weekend it happened, they were upset, but we kind of got through that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) A little bit, but I I need that. I feel like I do. I just, I hate having like the daily struggle of, just them gravitating towards their screens and getting them off screen. So it works really well for us now just to have two days a week that are screen free, five days where they can have screens, but with some rules around it. And so it's a compromise that works for both of us and that we can both feel good about enforcing. And so therefore we have quite a bit of success with the kids. Oh yeah. But it did take a while. It was like, I don't know what it was like, maybe visiting the cottage when I first went there. It was like, you'd have to go to the library to get a VHS tape because the DVD player didn't work because the remote had been lost one time when it was taken away. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it was a pretty good, it was a pretty good swing. My son was very concerned when we first. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to, to boost her acceptance of electronics. <laughs> That was a big boost. Well, I'm sitting here thinking your poor kid probably felt like he went to the Amish country. (laughs) Now, now I'm like, he was a champ, but you know, we make those non-screen days really count. Like we're both really active. We live close to the mountains. So in the winter we ski 
In the summer we hike, we were the parents that like actually do stuff with the kids, like play games. Oh, great. Rub it in. (laughs) It's a ton of work. (laughs) It's a lot of work for us to keep them entertained, but we just, we've just kind of decided that this is what we value. We want them to have childhood memories of the outdoors and, and doing things like that. So Focusing on the positive too helps us come up with good agreements because when we think about, well, what, what do we really want for the kids? What experiences do we want that we can, it kind of cancels out some things that are less important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's easier, especially if their screen time is based on something like, you know, uh, like TikTok videos or something like YouTube shorts that are just, you know, it's never kind of ending mind crack mm-hmm. for children. Yeah. They just <laughs> scare and start to drool so mm-hmm. those, those things I like I'm ne- they're never going to win me over on an argument to spend more time watching those things yeah we spend a lot of time discussing how bad it is for you so you know th- those kinds of things I have no problem limiting now but we kind of we needed an agreement yes and it needed to be consistent it couldn't just be like well this day we're doing this and this day we're doing this so yeah, we talk a lot about agreements and that's just been really good language for our communication. Like if I'm upset with something, usually it's me. <laughs> instigate. We just talk about, well, how can we make this better? And I think Lori, like you have, I've read your blog and you had an example with towels, I think it was, and yes. just buying different towels. And it's like, there are creative solutions to these when you kind of identify not only what the problem is, but why it's a problem. Because it can't just be based on like what triggers me that I'm not even aware of why I'm being triggered. Right. So yeah. So us thinking like big picture, like ultimately what kind of adults do we want these kids to be? And okay. So then what does that look like now? Mm -hmm. So you, you'd both bring up a lot of points and one of the big challenges that we see, and it's not just with blended couples, but just relationships in general is People have a very tough time having those critical conversations or tough conversations or whatever you want to term it, but it's where you don't necessarily agree going into the conversation with the other person and you're trying to figure out how you can come to some type of common agreement, as you said. What does that look like? Can you walk us through how you guys are able to do that successfully? And I'm sure not all the time it is successful, but walk us through that. One thing is time and place, like having privacy is really important. And so we usually have these big conversations when we don't have the kids. Yeah. Like knowing we, we often do not address something immediately in the sense that, you know, we're often pretty, if if something's going on, that's kind of causing drama in that moment, you know, we typically take a take a step back. That's usually my, yeah. my style anyways, is to kind of like take a step back so I can calm down and we can talk about it rationally. Mm-hmm. And so it, like, there's, there's a few little things like uh, one example is screens in the bedroom at night. And so like, for whatever reason, I've come accustomed to allowing my son to have his, his phone at night. He de- my impression is, is that he doesn't use it. It's, charging on the opposite side of the room from him. And my pet peeve is, is that he forgets it. If it's in our like communal family charging stations, 
he'll forget it to take it to school the next day. And if he doesn't have it and I'm trying to get a hold of him, I get frustrated. So anyways, like uh, a specific time, <laughs> Chels caught me taking his phone to his room and just like gave, delivering it. Yes. Oh, gave, giving me the, which like, is a trigger for me when adults serve <clears throat> kids. So I'm kind of like, well, excuse me, like, what are you doing? Yes. With that thing so, at bedtime. And so like, I was probably more set off by the, like her looking at me and then knowing I was wrong. Then I was just instantly like, just kind of growled a response, whatever, took the phone away, kind of put it in the charging place. Not, not maybe nicely. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's whenever your comments like, uh, I don't want to hear a word from you. <laughs> <laughs> But the only reason he was wrong in that moment is because he was breaking an agreement that we yeah. made because, and that's the thing with that conversation is, I mean, you both talk about what frustrates you and then you kind of put your heads together and come up with a solution. And then you both sort of kind of commit to it in your own words, mm -hmm. commit to what the solution you're committing to. And then that's it until yeah. you have that next conversation. But it also makes it easier when you're coming back to something. So it's like, you know, after I kind of had my little stompy. Yeah. Anger, tantrum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tantrum. Anyways. But uh, after that, then I was kind of like, okay, I have agreed to something specific. And like, what am I doing? Why, why is this bothering me? And so then I was responsible for coming up with some solutions to try to figure out it's not that I'm concerned about having his screen in his bedroom at night. I'm concerned about him not taking his phone to school. You're concerned about Chesley catching you, giving him his phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got it. So it's like, and in his mind too, you know, like he views it as like all the devices have been taken away for a very specific incident because he kind of can track it back to a time where one of the girls was using the, uh, a device at night and was busted, I guess, so to speak. So he, he views it as that. So it's like this uh, it, silly little argument yeah. amongst us. So I had to go do the work of having that argument, having the discussion and being very clear, like, this isn't about that situation. It's about not having the device around and then also fairness. Like, even if you don't use it, it could be perceived as you using it. So you weaken my position with the other kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess typically, like when we have a breakdown, it's like we have to kind of go back to what we've agreed upon and then explore that and see how we can fix it. Like maybe we have to change the agreement. Maybe we have to just fix our actions. Like in that case, I was wrong. And so I had to fix my actions. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is like, just the ability to accept being wrong is kind of key to those it's, situations. It, that's key to step parenting. <laughs> oh man. That's our key yeah. to life. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. Being an adult. Yeah. Wrong. Wrong. Yeah. So much. Always wrong. One of the biggest challenges, the agreements are a great idea. The most uncomfortable part about those things is the accountability piece of it, because you do kind of mm -hmm. want the other person to hold you accountable, but at the same time, you really don't. <laughs> Well, and a lot of times yeah. one parent will agree just because they're agreeing so the other parent will be quiet about it. And so they don't mm -hmm. enforce the consequences. 
Yeah. And I guess early on when we had these kinds of discussions, we had a few of those, right? Where it was like, oh, well, I, I agreed because I thought that would be better. And I was like, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that comes back to that whole, like, you have a breakdown. Now is your agreement something you have to change or not? Yeah. And so, so yeah, like there's been a lot of those kinds of discussions. Yeah. And I think I've realized, like, if we're not both on the same page, then it's not probably a rule worth having. Yeah, we should both be kind of like equivalently unhappy with the agreement. <laughs> so it's a it's a lose lose agreement. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, then Most it just needs to not. be. Yeah, okay. it's just not. Good. Yeah, and we're in the worst case. It's got to be something that, like, yeah, <laughs> we're we're at least even. Yeah. So I'm picturing you guys going out on a date, and you're breaking out these agreements and, and reviewing yeah. them on dates. Is that what happens? Yes, oh, but man. never on paper. We don't have like contracts with legal representation or anything. Like that. <laughs> you go to dinner with your attorney. <laughs> <laughs> but we are like huge kind of self-help obsessed people. We've both done like a 12-step program that was amazing. And we did that actually when we were engaged. Like we understand ourselves better and our triggers better and um, are committed to integrity too. So not kind of being underhanded or, but really following through with the way we really want to live. And we're both so passionate about parenting. So it's, (laughs) we have a strong desire to constantly be talking about our kids and how we can do things better. Yeah. Like we, I don't know. I, I had taken a lot of kind of accountability coaching at work. We, one of our old bosses was like a real self-help nut. And so we did a lot of that kind of stuff. And then, so that parlayed well into kind of these agreement discussions, things like that. And then, uh, yeah, we did a a program, uh, I guess called freedom sessions, Mm -hmm. kind of like a church based 12 step program. Yeah. And together, which I, I was really worried about at first, but turned out to be really good. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of like leads up to, like the kind of why are you the way you are? And then some of the other kind of uh, accountability training I'd taken was more like, now you are who you are. What are you going to do with that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that, you know, if you, in light of what, you know, if you look at a lot of what Lori and I put out, especially in the Academy, a lot of it has to do with that personal growth mindset and, you know, understanding who you are at a deeper level. So you're probably seeing a lot of the same things that you, you got from the business side of things as well as personal uh, growth and improvement stuff. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. You just, you can't walk away from it. I mean, that's the, the principles are sound no matter what you're applying them to, whether it's business or your personal life or a step family. And a lot of the things are the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, Absolutely. I know around here, the school systems are starting to teach the seven habits of highly effective people, which is, I think is a tremendous thing to do with kids. And they're doing it, you know, in elementary school all the way through high school. So I, you know, that has to, to make a huge impact on kids to have that ability to, to look at themselves and their challenges differently. And how are they going to improve themselves just a little bit every single day? And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and it, 
it, it's going to result in having better relationships, better communication, and being able to just lead a, a more successful life. Yeah, that's awesome. Certainly, with kids, like they they have accountability problems. <laughs> yeah, human beings. Yes, you know, like at, you know, maybe to more of a, a severe degree at like kind of the ages that we're dealing with as far as like early teens where readily they'll blame everybody but themselves for uh-huh. what's going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And just trying to unravel that for them is often, you know, a lot of, a lot of effort when very simple things can happen. Somebody can give something to someone else and they really didn't want to give it. They were pressured. And then three days later that kind of unravels and suddenly the kids are at each other again and they can't see their part in it. And so trying to unravel that for them has been a a lot of, I guess, our, Mm -hmm. our focus. Yeah. So, and it's interesting. Like I make jokes about how, like sometimes when I'm dealing with adults at work, there's parallels with when she was dealing with uh, recess issues (laughs) on playground. (laughs) (laughs) My great. Similar issues with kids (laughs) and it's still kind of at the the root of it. Like we all kind of suffer from that same, I guess. It's uh, it's just so much easier to, to be the victim and play the victim card and um, yeah, personal responsibility. I think that's become a core value for us. Mm -hmm. So that means we have to live it out. And like, I have never apologized. (laughs) Yeah. But I've had to, apologize so much to my stepson and and my girls too at times and it's really humbling but it's like the absolute best thing I can do like instantly it's just like the whole house calms down it's just there's just so much power when you kind of own that you've made a mistake or not you don't even have to use that word but hey you know I regret the way I did this I would have done it differently next time Mm -hmm. It's very mm-hmm. important to be able to acknowledge that because you want them to do the same. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How did the stepkids get along? Actually really well. Yeah, really, really good. We we were we were so concerned about them that we ended up being like, oh, well, it's kind of weird. They get like they get along quite well. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's like two boys joining like three girls. So like there's less competition. There was a little bit of a thing about our oldest girl being concerned that now she's no longer the oldest. Yeah, uh. that was that was a couple months she had that concern. Yeah. And then you know, I, I think she just they all kind of want to know, well, where's my place now? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so it's we've realized it's so important to make them to understand maybe their needs and like how we're going to meet those needs and to help them feel special. We were so focused initially on doing everything as a five person family, like everything that I think we realized, Oh, you boys still need boy time. Like you, you boys need kind of your date nights and even like an occasional weekend away or whatever boy ski trip, whatever it needs to be. And then that's probably a really good thing for me to do with my girls too. Like, cause we're, and we're both individually as well. Yeah. 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 And individually we're two families as well yeah. as a blended family. Yes. And the fact that you get that 
is like getting the chocolate ticket and the golden or the, the chocolate ticket, the golden ticket and the chocolate candy bar. <laughs> I was just like, I've never seen a chocolate <laughs> ticket. I was excited for this chocolate ticket. I wanted it. <laughs> Willie Wonka and the Golden Factory. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> she, she must be craving chocolate right now. <laughs> Can't blame you. But no, that's great because a lot of people struggle so hard with that concept. Yeah, it did take some time, too. It was very confusing, I think, at first. Well, because then you think, oh, we're not blending mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. we're putting, if we're kind of going back to focusing, like I focus more on my girls and you focus on your son, but like, it makes sense. Like I, my girls are going to be more vulnerable with me and letting me know kind of what's up with them and what they Mm. need. And I can be more responsive and it, it just, it makes a lot of sense to do it. And we've seen, it's just been so positive for all of them. Yeah. Well, Um, it was tricky kind of breaking down that, like what, those nuclear family dreams, I guess, where mm-hmm. it's kind of like we're blending. So does that mean we want to act like a nuclear family? And, you know, is that, but that's not really, that's not really the answer. And so, yeah. Yeah. It really shouldn't be called blended families. It should be called like a gradient family. <laughs> yeah. Well, the beauty <laughs> yeah. is you can do both. You can do those like nuclear mm-hmm. family things and, but then you can kind of slip out of that and, do something special with your bio kids and the step kids aren't offended. Like they, they get that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's one of the, the things that we did right is that early on, I would, I recall asking Lori and I brought this up the other day, we were talking to some people and I said, I really appreciated the time that Lori gave me to spend with my kids one-on-one. And mm. in, in order for me to do that, I had to say, I'm ta- I want to take this one kid out but I'm going to leave the other three with you if that's okay. And no, that, and, and no. That was a big ask, you know, because, I mean, we're, we're not talking about three kids that were sitting there reading books all day. These kids were bouncing off the walls. So it was a big ask to do that, and I appreciated the ability for me to do that. Now, now I only did it like, I don't know, once a month I would take one of them. So it wasn't like every single day or every week even. But that time I got to spend alone with them for a couple of hours was very, very beneficial because three of my kids were triplets. The oldest one's only a year and a half older. So me getting any one-on-one time with them was very, very difficult. That's like, they, they All four came as a package deal all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember this story you guys told once about you doing dishes with your son, David, and like how that was bonding time, mm-hmm. not like. Because you look at something, you could be like, oh, that, that parents kind of whatever, not allowing their child to have full responsibility or whatever it is. And so that, that kind of ties in with short-term versus long-term thinking. Of course, it would be great if kids would be more independent and do all these things on their own, but we just don't have much time with them. And it's so important to have a strong bond and strong relationships. So yeah, I've kind of had to work through that with chores and and other things like just realizing, you know, and um, like my stepson forgetting things after his week here, we've just learned like, Oh, well, that's great because Greg gets to swing by his house and see him and deliver all these things. And so it's become less about being upset with him for not being responsible enough, even though it's unrealistic expectations, because I mean, if I had to pack up every other week and live somewhere, I'm sure I would forget things. 
but we've just that different kind of the long-term relational spin on it. Like, yay, you know, you get five or 10 minutes to chat with your kid and give him a hug because he left something at home. And that's perfect. That is so perfect. Mm-hmm. My son actually um, called me the other day and I had just got it set in my head. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't going anywhere. So I was in the middle. I think I just started cleaning up something. But anyway, he um, calls me and says, can you bring me a pair of shorts up here? It's really hot. It's like 15 minutes away, 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, I really don't want to go anywhere. Well, I've got to be at work at one. And he said, you don't have to do it right now. I said, it's 1230. (laughs) He's like, yeah, so you can wait 15 minutes or so. (laughs) And I was sitting there thinking, it's the devil angel thing of, no, you, he should have took shorts with him when he left. And he's asking for this big inconvenience. And then I'm like, Oh, my poor sweet baby's hot. (laughs) (laughs) So I took him to the shorts. And you know what? On the way there, I wasn't aggravated. But it was like you said, I got to see him for two minutes. And he was appreciative, which always helps. But looking at things from that different perspective will make your life so much better. Yeah. And it's hard to do that when it's the stepkid you're talking about. Because it's very easy to look at the other parent and go, oh, my God, you're bending over backwards to do something for them again because they can't be responsible. That's that's very easy to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We've been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there's, any, if there's any consolation, I had to go to a three-day seminar a couple of years ago and speak at the seminar and forgot all of my shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized that it's 6 a.m., the day I had to speak at 8 a.m., and I was in a different state. <laughs> so I had two hours from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. to find someplace open that I could buy a shirt. And I'm one of these people, do not <laughs> wear clothes unless you wash them. <laughs> you don't know what's in those factories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had a good time with that, though. I, 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 you know, started yeah, they had in. a good time with it because it was still folded like you were the box. No, I, I, was, <laughs> I actually found one that wasn't wasn't that way but you know i came in i'm like I, you know we we're about to have a shirtless conference up in here <laughs> yeah but yeah that was uh man that was terrible you know one of those freak out moments you're like what am i going to do it's 6 a.m and i got to find a place to buy a shirt <laughs> yeah that would be terrible I, that would definitely set me off but yeah yeah it's like kind of that the angel devil thing on your shoulder it's like you want to be a launching pad for them into adulthood, but then you want to be a safe place for them to fall to. And I just, I think it comes down to the bio parents probably in the best situation to make that call. Mm-hmm. Yep. Things. And it's not that mm-hmm. I can't give Greg feedback or he doesn't give me feedback, but like it, that should be kind of like privately not in front of the kids. And then something that the bio parent gets to make the final call on. Yeah. It's just something that you feel so attached to but yeah. it's kind of not wise to yeah and you almost waters. you almost sense when you need <laughs> that connection with your kids or when they need it with you mm-hmm. so yeah yeah absolutely a question for you chelsea what brought you to nacho kids because it sounds like on you know on this side of it it sounds like you guys figured a lot of things out and things are going good but there had to be some point where you're like uh, uh, i need help 
and I and I'm heading over to Dr. Google to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I felt like icky. Like you know when you kind of know you're maybe overstepping or you're triggered, you don't like the way you're being triggered or what what I just I just kind of didn't like the way I was yeah, step parenting, I guess. And um so yeah, I got online and I remember watching a video and they said, this is like a two year process. This is not quick. And so that was kind of my first, like, Oh, <laughs> I have very, uh, like a very unrealistic time frame in my head. Well, and then you have um, to consider how often the child is with you during that time. So the two years is actually four. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Probably more like five because you've got those trans. <laughs> I, I get, probably crazy. like thirty <laughs> because you've got yeah. the transition days that they have to regroup. Yeah, actually, we wrote a note about transition days. Like that's those are days that the emotions are just so kind of raw for everyone. Mm-hmm. And we've made probably some of the biggest parenting mistakes, or at least I have, on transition days. So we're still kind of figuring those out and just realizing like we really need to kind of bear down and have a lot less planned those days, lean more into our bio parenting than step parenting on those days. Yeah. So even on our transition days, um, instead of me taking my stepson to school for the 15 minute commute, you know, Greg had to step in and, and adjust his work schedule to do that. We just really felt like the last adult our kids should see before they transition to the other home should be the bio parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, that's one of the days that we don't do screens, some stuff like that. Like yeah. we have, we have more plans as a family on our transition day to like be relaxed, stay around the house. Yeah. Keep it simple. Yeah. Try to keep it simple and try to try to make sure that everybody's forced to engage. Yeah, because uh, yeah, we've had several days that we've struggled. Either they come up, come here, jump on screens. Everybody ignores each other, disappear into their rooms, or they're grumpy because they just want to be served. Whatever. So we've mm-hmm. actually flipped the script and they they cook on their first day, yeah. which is like it's like we get everything out in the first hour yeah. and a half. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> And, but that was partly their choice too. We uh, family rule is kids have to cook once a week, and so they they're smart. So they're like, "Oh, we'll do it on a no screen day." Yeah. So we're not taking up our valuable screen. Man, time. I should do that rule for Lori. Make her cook one day a week. <laughs> Hang on one second. Ow. You said "ow" before Ow. I even hit you. I knew it was coming. <laughs> so let me back up one second. How often do you have each have your kid? So. I'm, I'm 50, 50. So every other week, Monday to Monday to Monday. And usually I use school as a buffer to mm-hmm. transfer. Mm-hmm. So I'll drop him off at school and then he gets picked up from school that day yeah. and then vice versa. I'll pick him up the next week. And I had my kids the majority of the time, other than every other weekend and one weeknight up until recently Recently, my oldest decided she wanted more time with her dad. So she's been on a 50-50 schedule for about maybe three or four months. And we're evaluating to see how that goes, whether it'll be a long-term kind of thing. 
And um, needless to say, there's been lots of emotions with that. Uh But it's one of those, you kind of have to let your kids go, right? And I'm just, I think what I identified is, I'm just, I have to, like, we're going to be empty nesters at some point in time. And so I just, I just didn't expect to have those feelings with my 12 year old, like just the feelings of letting her go. Mm -hmm. But that's what she felt she needed to do and wanted to do to, to have more time with her dad. So we are, (laughs) we are doing it. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so just more, more changes, more to work through. Your youngest daughter hasn't said anything about that. She's starting to make comments. So we're, I'm just, I still feel like she's too young because their dad's like quite a drive from their school and all their activities. And she's just a kid who needs sleep. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. We'll just have to keep having the conversation, but I kind of, I just want to make sure it's going to be a positive experience for her before we formally go down that road. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can see her using the card. Well, you let my sister do it. Yeah. And I'm, I, sometimes it suits her to kind of get to be the only kid for a couple days a week. Cause that's currently how it works with the other two being on the same 50, 50 schedule. She has like four days just being on her own. So, you know, that has perks too, but definitely it, it's circumstantial, which is one of the reasons why I know she's not ready. <laughs> yeah. There's just not enough maturity to her arguments yet. So your daughters don't have siblings in the other home, like step siblings. Actually, they have um, a half brother, and I think he's two, and they do adore him. Currently, <laughs> he's really cute at this stage. So, yes, well, and that too, like you said, it gives your daughter a break to just have a long time, which everybody mm-hmm. needs. Yeah, yeah. So we try to make those days special for her and. Um, host lots of play dates and we're a softball family. So we have a lot going on this time of year. What would you say that, um, and let, let me ask you this individually. I'll start with, start with you, Chelsea, but what would you say your toughest challenge currently is? It's still kind of myself and my unrealistic expectations that I have on the kids. And, and I, I do have unrealistic expectations for myself too. I mean, who doesn't want kind of a perfect, peaceful home that's clean and orderly and everyone's getting along? So when it's not that way, I really have to deal with that disappointment as quickly as possible and regroup and accept reality. And I mean, the the reality is my kids don't need a perfect parent. They need someone who's responsive to reality. Yes. So I'm working on that. Yeah. Earlier, you mentioned the three years, if it's going to matter in three years. In the academy, we have a course that talks about, is it going to matter in five minutes, five hours, five days, five months, five years, whatever. (laughs) And if you can honestly calm down enough to ask yourself those questions, the majority of the time it's no. And Mm -hmm. that can come with the same thought process of having the calm, tidy house. Some of the best moments that we have had is the kids going crazy and acting nuts. And actually I was really proud of myself one day when one of the stepkids and my nephew broke our ceiling fan light in the living room. (laughs) Yeah. That's one of those times when I'm just waiting on her to flip out. (laughs) And I didn't. 
I was so proud of myself. And you know what? Every time I look up and see that thing broken, or I see the chips in the floor from it breaking on the floor, I laugh about that time that they were wrestling, not get mad because something was damaged. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of stories that come out of some of those situations, like uh, some of the inter-kid conflict that we had early on that was uh, now even they kind of laugh about it. There's usually the perpetrator of the violence does not appreciate the story being told. (laughs) 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 But the other two really enjoy it. Yep. Well, Greg, we need you to answer that question too. Yeah, Greg, what what is it that you, you feel like you're, you're challenged with, or, or it can even be what you see as being the challenge within the relationship. It doesn't have to be you or you personally. Well, I think it kind of touched on it earlier. Like the, uh, you know, Chelsea had a, a view of what my son was like, I guess, due to her uh, being a teacher and a teacher of grade six students. And so, you know, kind of going through that over time and breaking down what those expectations were versus reality and uh, I guess working through that. So I think there's been times that it's certainly been challenging and hence our push to find whatever material we can to work with and, you know, what's led us here. And then I think that now is kind of flipping into a feeling like I don't have much more time left. One of my biggest concerns with my son is that I've lost half of the time that he's had over the last several years And soon enough, he's going to be out on his own. So I only have so many years left before he moves out. And, and then I only get half that time. So, well, the good news is with the way prices are rising, you don't have to worry about him going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. True enough. Greg, Greg, you hit, you hit on something that honestly, it tormented me. The whole losing half my time with the kids was bad enough, but when they hit about 15 years old, I mean, I almost would have panic attacks thinking about, you know, I've only got potentially three years left. And of that three, they're gone half of that. And then even of that, you know, they're running around with friends that are not really wanting to spend time with me, you know, and all these things I wanted to teach them. And and now I'm, you know, practically out of time. And I don't, I mean, it was just spiraling out of control because I'm, you know, I just hit that point where I really realized they, they just weren't going to be around much longer. And that's what happened in my case is that within one year's time, all four of them moved out when they turned 18, three of them went to the military and, and one moved out. And so, um, you know, that, that's what happened. And of course there were times right after that where I felt like I was kicking myself for, you know, not spending enough time with them. Cause you know, there's never enough time you spend with them. Mm-hmm. You start going, going down that path of, I was not a, as good of a parent as I should have been. And, you know, I sound like Chelsea <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> saying all these, you know, keeping myself held down with all these unreasonable expectations. And, and that's where I was. And so I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people feel that way. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I can't help but think, I know my mama was counting down the days till I left. Yeah, because she told me. Yeah, I'm sure she was. <laughs> and I'm thinking, sometimes as parents, I wonder if this whole separation thing and guilty parent syndrome doesn't, in some sense, help us to be better parents. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think so. I think it 
forces us to be really intentional with the time that we do have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I definitely know we're, we're, we really talk a lot and think a lot about what we can do to give them the best launch that we can. And even in that statement, we're acknowledging that we want them to move out in the sense that it's like, you know, you can't keep them with you forever. So why not? (laughs) Laura's like, she says something to Jackson about, you can live here as long as you want. And I'm like, no, I'm counting them down. You got to, you got two years left. You got to be gone. <laughs> well, my parents yeah. actually told my little sister that, and she's now 43, almost 44, and still lives with my dad. And her husband lives there too. <laughs> but, you know, I told Jackson, I said, I don't want you to be in a rush to try to move out when you're 18 or when you finish school. I would rather you save money and not have to live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. But it, yeah, you're focusing on how to how to best launch someone into living on their own. There's like we don't have some kind of timeline for them. Like I would I would We both- don't have an agreement currently. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're yeah. going to be the agreement couple. <laughs> I think our agreement is no, our, there is no agreement. Our unwritten agreement is no. We made this agreement when my kids were older. No, so remember, no. I told you don't be careful what you ask for when my kids are older. No. <laughs> but we we came up with the agreement that twenty four years of age was kind of our cutoff. Like if by twenty four, you need to be doing something else. Mm-hmm. And of course, my kids were gone well before then. So it's now a matter of whether or not Lori will enforce that if Jackson is still here. But well, I'm so, honestly, I'm so th- your kids have been allowed to come back and stay as needed, which they are more than welcome to. I'm more than welcome to all of them coming y- y'all, back. Y'all hear that? You hear that backpedaling? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I've recorded it. It's true. Now that I know they will actually leave, I feel better about them coming back. Because <laughs> yeah. I did have those fears of, oh, my God, we're going to have 60-year-old men living upstairs playing video games that we're going to have to support the rest of our lives. It, it is funny, though, that when they come back, there's a part of you that you're glad they're back. But there's also a part of you that's like, okay, you know, let me know whenever you can find a place. <laughs> you, you know, you kind of you kind of adjust. And, and then when you've adjusted to them being gone, them being back doesn't feel the same. But, but then jo- you adjust to them being here, and then they leave. Yeah, and it's leave like, again. oh, crap, they get left again. Yeah. But um, but no, it's for us. It's not really a push either. I joke around with the whole eighteen years of age kind of thing. But in, I mean, Jackson's halftime. I don't see him anyway. He works or hangs out with friends or whatever, and then he's home and in enough time to, to sleep and take a shower, and he's gone again. Mm-hmm. But no, I want Lori to spend as much time as she can with him. You hear that, baby boy? You can stay forever as long as you're out <laughs> by twenty four. Um, <laughs> and then uh, and then we'll go from there. The, the biggest challenge for us really isn't, at least for the way I look at it, it's not that he's here. It's that there are some stipulations that it puts on us to not be able to do certain things because we have to, you know, consider him and consider him being here by himself and how responsible or irresponsible he may be. Like when we leave and he can't feed the animals on time. Kind of thing. He fed him. He just <laughs> left for longer than he was supposed to and left him outside. And, and so, <laughs> you know, those are types of things where, you know, I would like to say that's one less responsibility we would have. 
But it comes at but but it comes he's a built-in a, puppy sitter. Yeah, but it comes at a cost for her, not me. And I realize that. Yeah, that makes sense, David. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Well, Chelsea and Greg, it has been great having you as a guest on our podcast. Yep. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having us. A really fun conversation. Stay in touch, and we'll catch up with you in a few years and see how things are going and how those agreements are coming. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of <laughs> fact, maybe we need to have an agreement for them to come back. Yeah, maybe we should have an agreement for you to come back. And, hey, bring your agreements so we can share them with other people so they can come up with agreements. That's right. (laughs) Well, y'all are doing great, and I'm so glad to hear that y'all are able to come to these agreements. And, Chelsea, for you to look at things from a different perspective is really good as well. Yeah, and give yourself some grace, Chelsea. You're doing great. You are. And thanks for what you guys do. And I just wanted to say your vulnerability and kind of sharing your journey is just so inspirational to me. So thank you so much for your podcast. You're very welcome. Yes. We appreciate you. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, guys, and have a great rest of your evening. Thank you. You too. Thank you. you too. Bye-bye. All right, David. So what else we got going on? Well, I'm, I know you said something about going to speak in California, then I think that's changed. So yeah. Um, they changed the date, and we already have plans. So, Okay. But there's supposed to be one in Florida that, after that one, that we are being asked to speak. So we will see. All right. So we'll let you know, folks, if we end up in Florida somewhere. <laughs> yep. We'll let you know what's going on. You come hang out with us. That's right. Yeah. We had a blast when we were in Texas hanging out with all those people there. What happened in Texas stays in Texas. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. <laughs> hey, that's the thing, David, is we need to tell people no cameras, no videos. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put me on your Instagram, me trying to dance. I'm kidding. Yeah, I was going to say dance. you wouldn't. <laughs> 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 All right. Other than that, we've just got a lot of stuff that we're working on and trying to get more people to know that they can save their sanity in marriage. Yep. Yeah. Got some changes coming to the Academy that we will announce when, when they're ready. Um, as well as some other things we're working on as always. So anything we can do to, to help people in their blend. And I'm working on my book. Yep. Everybody send her an email, give her some encouragement. It's a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. I just need to go away for like, three weeks and just write. You just nap the whole time. You just hibernation. David, let's not talk about that. (laughs) Okay. My brain needs to rest sometimes. And also a lot of ideas come to me in my sleep. Oh, really? Yeah. Like choking me. (laughs) Those types of ideas. Okay. Let's not talk about that. (laughs) Here we go again. You thought I was going to be in the news for killing you, and then you start talking about me choking you. David, I think you might have some issues. Well, if you had to hear the things I hear when you're sleeping, you'd know. Yeah. Okay, (laughs) folks. All right, folks. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. And remember that life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.